ever since I can remember, well, being in it, but a member uh, after I came to faith in Christ. And then as a pastor, on both sides, I've seen where one of our greatest weaknesses of the American church is we don't have the attitude that a Job has. We don't have an attitude of a servant. Because we're Americans, sometimes we put American first instead of Christian, but a lot of times we have the idea, the mindset of, what's in it for me? If I, you want me to come to this church, what am I going to get out of it? Now, we have ministries. We have, we're starting a new one tonight. And I, we've been praying about this, and we're excited about it. And it's going to be for parents with young children, and, and hopefully that'll encourage you to come and be a part of things. And knowing that your children are being taken care of. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But it shouldn't be about, well, I'm gonna, what, what does this church offer? I'm looking at different churches. And, well, if, if, you know, they have this. They have the, this one doesn't. And it's almost like you're shopping like for a piece of furniture. Or a sound system. Or a TV thing. How many features does it have? Instead, we should have the mindset that I'm going to be here because God is faithful, God has blessed me, and I, I want to, how can I help? How can I help? Here after, in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking um, our next series, four or five sermons on spiritual gifts. And how God has equipped us as believers that we can serve. And the purpose of the gifts is not for us, but it's how we can build up the body. We're supposed to be servants. And we need to remember the mindset of Jesus. Jesus, the King of glory. When he came here, what did he say? In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If you're going to be known as a faithful servant of the Lord, and you can be, accept your role, whatever it might be, bloom where you're planted, and have the mindset, how can I help? As a pastor of the church, I've been told in his Tar Heel leadership uh, training, and hopefully that, that's helping me, and I'm, I'm learning and, and trying to, to do what would please God. But the guy that's leading it, and he's been at that church, done a tremendous work there. He says, every, every Sunday when I come in, I have the mindset, hey, I, I'm just here to help. Not having the attitude, I'm the pastor, you're going to do what I say. I'm just here to help. That's what I want to be. Am I doing that perfectly? No. But that's what I want to be as a pastor. To serve and to help grow the kingdom. And if we all have that mindset, wow, that's powerful. Job had it and God commended him for it. Now this second point, and we see this in verses 8 and 9 dealing with Job and his three friends, 
and I'm going to stay with me as I, I bring this out, but a servant of the Lord forgives those who oppose him. Now God has said in verse 7, he said to Eliphaz, hey, I'm upset with you. My anger burns against you. And twice in there he says, you guys have not said what is right about me. How would you like to be on the receiving end of that? Have God say that to you. God says, I am angry at you. These guys have messed up, the three of them. They have done some things wrong. And yet, what's the remedy? God tells them with the, the sacrifice about the bulls and all that, but the important thing is, and go to my servant Job. And my servant Job shall pray for you. And then I, God, will accept the prayer of my servant Job. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. See, we, we read the book, and we can read it in, in I don't know, couple hours if we wanted to sit down and read it depending on how fast you read and it just it just clicks along and we don't really get the penetration of what took place here with these three guys job if you remember has lost everything he's lost everything he owns all 10 of his children have died and he is devastated and on top of that Satan has come along and given him physical issues to where he's scraping himself with a broken piece of pottery and he's sitting in the ash heap he's sitting in the trash pile because everybody has abandoned him and then these guys show up and I know we don't remember everything that was said But they all three are accusing him. It's Job, it's your fault. Eliphaz even goes as far as to say in, in chapter 22, he starts making stuff up. He says, Job, you, you've, you've withheld food from the hungry. You've robbed your own people. You've abused helpless widows. He was just lying about him. And Bildad... I, most of us haven't lost a child, and we can't fathom this. I know there's a few in here that have. Bildad, and you can look this up in chapter 8, Bildad basically tells Job, hey, your kids died because they got what they deserve. How are you feeling toward Bildad right now? It's your fault, Job. Your kids are dead. They got what they deserve. Yeah. I want my servant Job to pray for you. And then I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. Here's the thing. Job now has the power. God said, Job, you're right. These guys are wrong. 
Put yourself in Job's position. He's just heard that God's ang- my anger burns against these three chuckleheads. What are you going to do if you're Job? Bring it on, God. Lightning bolt them. Yeah. Give them what they deserve. Well, that's the flesh. But how many of us operate in the flesh sometimes? How many of us want to see somebody get what they've got coming to them? Remember, one of them said, you know, he's, I can't imagine this, but... Basically, you know, hey, your kids, yeah, they were out doing whatever. They got what they deserve. They're dead, and it's, it's their fault. And you've got the power. What are you going to do? Job prayed for them. Job forgave them. This was a story, and it made a lot of the rounds on Twitter and stuff like that. It happened in Texas, I believe, a couple of weeks ago. This guy named Botham, or Botham Gene, he was in his own apartment. Own apartment. Eating a bowl of ice cream, watching TV. And an off-duty police officer named Amber Geiger opened his door... She was having all kinds of issues. She was probably on something, and she was in the middle of some immoral stuff, texting at the time, and so her mind wasn't in the right place. She thought she got off on the wrong floor of the apartment building, opened the door thinking it's her house. This guy's in there eating ice cream, watching TV. She caps him, boom, he's dead. She shot him, killed him. At the trial, she was sentenced. She's got 10 years, and a lot of people don't think that's enough, but that's not the point of this story. His younger brother, Brant, was there. He asked to speak. And I've listened to the recording of that. He's a believer, and he says, As a Christian, I forgive you for killing my brother. And then he hugged her. Oh, and by the way, she's white, he's black. And that's a big issue in our country right now. And she was a police officer. And he said, I forgive you. The mom even said, I don't know if I could do what my son did and forgive her. But she said, my Christian faith teaches me that's what I'm supposed to do. It's hard for us. It's hard for us to live out. Romans 12, 19 tells us that vengeance belongs to God. It's not our place. It wasn't Job's place to deal with things like this. But I do know this. When we allow a bitterness, resentment, and grudges to stay in our heart, when we do not forgive our brother or sister, it hurts us. And when you forgive somebody, that doesn't mean that you're condoning their action. It's not, that's not to say there's not real sin against you. It's real. What these guys did to Job was real, and it hurt. 
But do we trust God to handle the situation in his time? Because when we stay mad, we stay bitter, when we have grudges, when we build up hatred, what we're actually saying is, God, I don't trust you to handle this. And I need to handle it. And that's hard. The Bible is not difficult to understand in a lot of places. It's hard to live out. But with the Holy Spirit, it is possible. Job is a servant of the Lord did. And then as we finish the book, the last and final point is the servant of the Lord will be rewarded. Verse 10 says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Um, you know, if Job hadn't been able or willing to forgive him, we might have a very different ending here. But God restored the fortunes. Now, before we look at the specifics, remember the accuser's challenge. Basically, the whole book of Job is about God's policies of justice being on trial. The accuser said, the only reason someone like a Job serves you is because of all the goodies. You bless him. You take away those blessings, he won't serve you. God allowed that to happen. Job didn't waver. The accuser comes back and says, yeah, 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 well, if you take... If you take away his health, then he won't serve you. And God said, okay, and he allowed it. And Job still maintained his integrity. So that, remember, this is the whole backdrop. Job is suffering because he's a test case for God's policies. Job passed the test. He is an example to us because I personally don't know of anybody that's went through the level of what Job went through so it's a test case to all of us that it is possible for a servant of the Lord to remain faithful regardless of the circumstances in life you can do it and he showed that you don't have to do it perfectly. Job didn't. He sinned in the process. But he maintained his faith and trust in God. Well, once it was obvious that Job was going to continue. Remember, he thought, and we talked about this several weeks ago, he thought he was dying. He thought he didn't have much time left. And his last words, what he thought were his last words, were not, okay, I'm done with this. But they were still talking about trusting in God. So he just thought he was... But even at the point of death is a point. He didn't give up his faith. And so God knows this. He has passed the test. So now, therefore, there's no point in continuing the sufferings. So God restores him. He heals him. And then, if you notice, if you compare chapter 1 and chapter 42, you'll notice that all of Job's possessions are doubled. 
He started with 7,000 sheep. He now has 14,000. He had 3,000 camels. He now has six. Everything is doubled. And then he starts talking about his children. Now, on first glance, you would think that because everything else was doubled, that he would have double the children. He had ten to start with, seven sons, three daughters. And God gives him an additional ten children, seven sons and three daughters. But it's still doubled. Because here's the point. It's not made explicitly, but it, it, in the context of the whole scripture, we see, see this, know it to be true. People are different. Children are different. You can replace a camel. You can't replace a child. These were not replacement children. And if you, if you struggle with that, go read in, I think it's 1 Kings chapter 6, about Solomon and the prostitutes and the baby. You know, half a baby, when you're talking about splitting the kid in half. No, you don't do that when you love your kids, because it's, it's, it's not about pieces and parts. It's about children. So these aren't replacement children. The camels, the ox, they're replacements, so they get doubled. He gets 10 additional children because where are the first 10? They're already in glory. So how many children does Job end up with in reality? 20. It has been doubled. God is faithful. God is faithful. Now some people think this is not a good ending because it proves the accuser's point that God gives back the goodies. But the challenge was over. God was successful. His policies were vindicated through the faith of his servant. And let me just be clear about one point, and this is important for us to realize. Why did Joe or God rather, why did God restore his stuff? Was it because Job had suffered so much that God said, okay, because you suffered, I'm going to give you all this? No. God's not obligated to do that. He didn't have to. That was never part of the deal. What it amounts to is grace. Job did not deserve, just your, his suffering did not put him in a place where he could say to God, God, I deserve this back. God chose, God chose to grace Job with the additions. If you can demand it, if you can say, I deserve this, it's not grace. It's not grace. And Job wasn't demanding anything, but in God's grace, he rewarded his faithful servant. What about us as believers? Well, the New Testament tells us there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says that, and we will be rewarded. 
Matthew 25. Jesus is talking about these parables right before the crucifixion. And one of them is the parable of the talents. And whatever God has given the, the principle in those, those parable talent, or talent parables is that you have this much that God gives you. What do you do with it? And then those that do well with it, God rewards. And this is what he says in Matthew 25, verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the reward of your master. Wow. What are you looking for when you get to heaven? Oh, if you know Jesus, if you've, you've surrendered your yourself to him if you confess your sins if you trusted in Christ you're going to make it because of who God is and the promises but what are you looking for when you get there what do you want to hear do you want to hear well done you can we can it's possible it's not going to happen automatically because there was one of those servants that had something and he didn't do anything with it. What happened to him? His stuff got taken away. Job was faithful in what he had. And God chose to reward him in this life. He doesn't always do that to his servants. But we will be rewarded in the life to come, which is eternal. I want to hear Jesus say those words. It's not just going to be pastors and missionaries, and that's not just an automatic, not, oh, well, okay, you served as a pastor, so well done, good job. No, that doesn't guarantee, it doesn't obligate God to, to do that people that serve as missionaries there's bad pastors bad missionaries you can just go out there and i don't know do whatever the point is you as if you want to call yourself that there aren't any such things but if you want to call yourself an ordinary christian you have just as much chance of hearing well done as a pastor missionary because it's not based on title or position it's based on our faithfulness whatever you have are you being faithful with it are you serving the lord we can all each of us hear that and i hope that's your desire if you're one of his and if you haven't even entered into serving king jesus here i'd encourage you to do that this morning if you're still outside of christ and you feel the conviction of the holy spirit that says hey you need you need to accept my son you need to become one of my servants through jesus i pray you'll do that as uh, as mark musicians come we have a time of response i just want you to consider God's word, the challenge is always from God's word, not from me as a man. But the challenge from the word of God that we might be found faithful. 
servants of the Lord. Father, God, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And Lord, now as we enter into this time of response, just help us that we would be faithful in responding uh, to this message. Lord, if there's anything we need to do as individuals, whether it's here or somewhere else when we leave, God, just give us, convict us, and Lord, help us to be obedient and faithful in all that you command. And we ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.